podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Strongcast. I'm Paul Sullivan, joined by uh, Mr. Joshua Ridgewell. How are we? All good. How are you, Paul? Well, it was so cheery, Josh. And our two very special guests today, Gemma and Jono Carroll. How are we both? I'm very good. Thank you for asking. Very good. Thank, Thank you. you very much for coming on the podcast today. My pleasure. First question, and I want to know why. King Kong. Because of my Where hairy Where does it come from? <laughs> Simple as that. Literally just because of my hairy bastard. So, originally... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true. That's why it's so funny. So, basically, what happened was, I was Jono, the Celtic warrior... Mm. Carl, when I first went professional, but that was they hit me on the spot the very first day. Um, we weighed in, and it was the announcer said to me before I walked out, What do you want me to introduce you for? And I was like, Oh, uh, uh, and obviously, Steve Collins back in the day was an Irish legend, and his boxing name was the Celtic Warrior. So, for whatever reason, it just came into my head. So, I just said it, <laughs> <laughs> they introduced me as that. <laughs> so, well, I was saying this to you the other day. You were like, No, no, someone's got to choose your uh, your boxing nickname. <laughs> and I, your Milky yeah. Bar kid. So, then, mad enough, when I went home to Ireland, I started boxing under the uh, banner of Pascal Collins, which was Steve Collins's brother, and it was called the Celtic Warrior Gym. So I went in there and I was like, he was like, bro, you know, you can't be using like me brother's boxing name. <laughs> You're going to have to think of a name. I was like, yeah, I know. Like, but no one ever like questioned me in Australia. So me and my uncle, I went back to my uncle. Uh, I think he picked me up from the gym and we were just in conversation about it. I was like, yeah, hey, I have to pick a name. And he always used to come up with some funny stuff. So we come up with at least a hundred that day, like just stupid ones. What's, what's and the worst one that you come up with? Do you remember it? <laughs> King Kong <laughs> It was the worst The best one Because We come up with loads Of like silly ones But you just None of them made sense It was like Ah yeah whatever It was stupid like. But then he was getting out Of the car to go into the shop And he just said Like joking He said You should call it King Kong Because you're a hairy little bastard And he just got out of the car And like walked into the shop And I was sitting there thinking Jono King Kong Carol that's a fucking ring to it. That's actually all right. <laughs> so then, then he just came back and, and that was it. I was like, hey, bro, I think I'm going to use that King Kong. That's fucking, that's all right. Like, and he was like, yeah, it actually is. King Kong, that's a deadly name. And from there on, it just stuck. Brilliant. Yeah, it was funny. Absolutely Madden, brilliant. Madden. So take, <laughs> right, before you were the Celtic warrior for about a day yeah. and then King Kong, take us back. Where'd you grow up? How'd you get into boxing? Amateur career, turning professional. Give us a little rundown of all of that. Yeah, so basically, I grew up in a place called Fingless, which was it was a mad little spot to grow up in. It was it was unanimous for just fighting and like robbed cars, and we were like jocking around in barebacks like the bleeding <laughs> cowboys and Indians we were. It was a mad place. So it was just one of them places where I was fighting a lot as a kid. So my dad bring me to the gym was like, listen, if you're not gonna box, at least now take care of yourself, you know. So it was one of them things. I just went to the gym with my dad. I used to just watch him him boxing and sparring me. My granddad was a good boxer. He was a senior champion. Like, he was good. But then he turned weightlifter, you know? So, um, and then he started doing a lot of self-defense classes over in Fingless because it was a rough neighborhood. So all those things were kind of popular. So when I was growing up, I had a couple of fights with travelers. There was loads of travelers and gypsies in my school. So we were, I was just fighting all the time, to be honest. And I loved fighting, but I was always getting in trouble for it. So it was one of them things we have, like, why don't you just do it, do it, and just not get in trouble, you know? So 
I got a little bit older. I got suspended so many times in school. And it was always fighting. There was one or two other stupid things. I rang a pedagogue in the school. Shut up, you people. <laughs> <laughs> mad things. <laughs> I done mad things. Like, but, but mostly it was all fighting. The other things I got suspended for was fighting. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was just uh, it was just one of them things. I got to a certain age and I was just like, do you know what, Dad? I think I actually want to do that. I want to start competing. And it just kind of just snowballed from there, you know. I was already boxing with me dad. I was already, like, um, I got punched around by a girl one day, Kelly Harrington. She's a very good Irish amateur. And she busted me nose. And that just gave me a buzz for her. I was like, right, I like this, but I'm not getting bashed by a girl. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I like it, but I'm not that good at it yet, so I need to get better. So, uh, Does he still enjoy that? <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, we've had, we've had a few spars me and her as well. So, uh, yeah, more or less, it was just like, I just said, you know what, I actually want to start competing. And in my second year boxing, I won the All-Ireland, so I picked it up very easy. You know, I was one of them people that I was a really hard worker, and I just was, um, I started in Navin Boxing Club, was like my first proper professional uh, amateur boxing club. Mm. And it was one of them things, I had a, had a guy that was a little bit heavier, he boxed at 63 kilo, and I was at 57 that year. And uh, he was already a three or four time Warriors champion. Uh, Chris Blaney, his name was. And he was just thumping me around. But I was the best in the gym to spar him, even though it was only my first year, you know? So he just used me as basically a punching bag for the whole blade <laughs> year. And I just got much better, because it's like that iron sharpens iron. So it was like, if you're in there with someone who's better than you, you're only going to learn, or else you're going to get punched around for a long time. So yeah. for the first year, we used to just get a roll of tissue and bring it to the ring because my nose used to be just smashed every single sparring session. And it just toughened me up. So when, it, when I was getting in against people who weren't, were out my own way, I was just destroying them because I was used to him bashing me and he was much better than me, you know? Yeah. So my second year of boxing, I won the All-Irelands, which some people are boxing from 10 years old and can't win an All-Irelands, you know? So I, I started... So what time are you... At like 15? Uh, what age, yeah? 15 was when I, when I first started actually competing. Yeah. And... I won the All Ireland at 16 was my first one, yeah. No, sorry, 14, 15 it must have been because I won my first All Ireland when I was 15, yeah. and then my second one when I was 16, yeah. But it was, uh, yeah, it was mad. It was a good time though. I, I missed them days when like it was just fighting every second weekend and it yeah, was brilliant. Hundred schoolyard fights on the record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and believe it or not, my hands are still paying for them stupid schoolyard fights. <laughs> Because my hands are bust up from so many fights that I've had, like stupidly, like out in the street and just whacking people and yeah. not being able to punch correct. Because I was only a kid, so you're like, slapping, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Hitting with, like, not your knuckles. Like, it was just there. Uh, but I learned, Joe, on, learned on the job. <laughs> Joe Calzaghe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the greatest Welshman. 100% legend. So then what, what got you from amateur career into professional boxing? Um, so I went over to Australia. Um, myself, Gemma went to Australia, and I just, I just actually was quite bored. I wasn't meeting. So actually, before I went to Australia, I was, I was involved with a lot of the wrong people, and I was doing all the wrong stuff. You know, definitely wasn't good for my career. So when I went to Australia, I was still attracting them people, because you know, you were, you attract what you put out. So for me personally, it was like <clears throat> I still had that in me. I was attracting all the wrong people, you know, because that was the people that was yeah. I was attracting to me. So I started saying, you know what, I need to get back in the boxing gym because the boxing gym was where I always made good friends that was like, you know, on the straight and narrow, didn't drink, didn't smoke weed, didn't do this, didn't do that. So it kept me away from that side of things. So I just went to the gym more or less to make good friends. And the first day I went in, I saw this guy, uh, he was training for his fourth professional fight. 
What was his name? Do you remember? Jacob. Sutton. Jacob, that was his name. Yeah, Jacob something. I don't remember his second name. But Jacob, yeah, I went in. Were you with me that first day? No. No, yeah, I was. I think you were. Yeah, I was. So we went in there the first day. We, I don't think we were looking for a boxing gym. I think we were looking for a gym and then the closest gym to us yeah. ends up being a boxing gym. Ended up, that's correct, yeah. It would end up being a boxing gym. So we went in and he was sparring, but he was sparring a guy that was like much bigger. Your man was about six foot one, but he was just skinny, you know? Yeah. And this fella was fighting professionally at 60 kilo, lightweight. So I was like, yeah, do you want me to jump in with him? Because that fella he's sparring is way too big for him. And he was like, well, can you box? I was like, yeah, like I'm all right. Like, I, I can handle myself. But before this, I was at the break of my hand. Um, it wasn't a street fight, it was actually a boxing match. But then I kept getting the street fights after and I was smashed. <laughs> and my hand was fucked for like a year and a half because I was fighting out in the streets for a, for a while. So, But then when I went to the boxing gym, I wasn't at been training for about a year and a half. I wasn't at the boxed for like a year and a half. And um, I got in with this fellow who was training for his fourth professional fight and battered him. Four rounds, I think we'd done the very first spot and I played with him. For the first three rounds, I was just outboxing him. And then the fourth round, I was like, I'm going to take it to him because he was a small, stocky little fella. So I knew to use my reach, do like whatever, just hit him in my mouth for the first two rounds. Because he was professional, he was strong, you know? Yeah. And then the, the last round, I just tucked up and went for him. And I was beating him on the inside and the outside. And then it was, after that, your man Ricardo's name was the trainer. He just, he actually came and just said, would you not go professional? And I was like, well, it's not like that. In, in Ireland, you need to go to the Olympics, you need to go to America or to go professional. It's just not like that where we come from. And he, uh, he just said, well, I know the promoter here. So we can get you on one of these bills. I was like, psh. Sign me up, mate. No problem. Let's do it. And the rest is history. Just going back there to what you said about you was, before you was boxing, you was attracting all the wrong crowds and stuff. Yeah. Do you think now that a lot of the kids back home need to follow that path to go into the gyms, get into the gyms to get away <coughs> from this bad crowd? Yeah, that's a great question. 100%. Like, most definitely. The, the people where, especially where I come from, that's all you're used to. When you grow up in that environment, all you're used to is them people. And... As bad as it sounds, like the cool people in school are the ones that are doing all the wrong things. The ones that are smoking with, blading, going out fighting, drinking too early. Class clowns. Class clowns, but class age rugs when you hit blading 18, 19. That's what not what you want to be yeah. around when you hit a certain age. You know what I mean? As soon as you start hitting 16, 17, those class clowns are the ones that are getting you involved in a lot of rubbish and a lot of stuff that you don't want to be involved in. So, lucky enough, I had the guidance for boxing when I hit like 17, 16. And it was very good, but at the same time, then when I broke my hand, I, I was hanging around with a lot of crazy people. And it was just like, I went from one extreme to another, where I was like solely focused on the boxing. And this is all I have to do. And I wanted to go to the 2012 Olympics. That was my dream. My God, well, not my dream, it was my dad's dream. But that was a goal that I had. Because I really don't care about the amateur scene or anything like that. But my dad loved the Olympics, so I wanted to do that in order to become a professional. Because I liked the professional game. And... Uh, I went from that extreme to like staying away from everyone training. I used to have to avoid all my friends coming up to competitions because they were all doing such mad stuff. But because they were my friends, it was the only environment that like, I was around at the time. Yeah. Um, but to be fair, they like super supported. We hung around with his uncle, it was one of them. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was really like pushing them obviously for it because he wanted them to do well. <clears throat> and then the rest kind of followed suit and was like, yeah, you train hard. Whenever we'd get like takeaways, bad food and all, they were like, he can eat this, let's get him. Yeah. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. They did support me in ways, yeah. But then once he broke his hand, then it was just like, come Slipping along. Into that other yeah, <laughs> the <laughs> thing is, I was, I was crazy, I don't know, because we're in the boy, I shouldn't probably be saying this, but <laughs> when I was like, when I broke my hand, I was at that moving out of my house, I was like, I was broke. Had no money, had to support myself basically. So I was starting like selling a lot of weed and all. 
So for me, it was like, they were all smoking weed. I was like, Psh, supply, demand, easy work. You know what I mean? Like uh, people that can give it to me, they're all smoking anyway. You know what I mean? It's simple yeah. mathematics there. So for me, it was like, that's what I done. But because I was the one then supplying everyone, it was very easy for me to smoke and get myself. And then they all want to be around me because I was smoking, because I had it, you know what I mean? Mm. So it was like, they'd buy one bag, but then they'd be smoking your blade and three bags. It was just one of them, you know? And I remember my uncle saying one time, like, these, we wouldn't even be hanging around with half of these if it wasn't for weed. You know that and all. And I was like, nah, these aren't our mates, like. And he's like, bro, like, these aren't our mates, like. Mates, these aren't mates. Like, and... Turns out now, he was right. Turns out now, it's true. <laughs> they would never even come to a fight. Most of them would never come to a fight. Yeah. And it's mad. I remember him at the time saying, like, bro, we wouldn't be with these people if it wasn't for doing this stupid thing that we're doing, like, you know? But my uncle, I have to say, was always very supportive. Was always like, you're not fucking doing that. You're not, like, don't be going out and partying with them and... And it was mad because my dad, so my uncle's obviously my dad's brother. And my dad thought my uncle was getting me into all these things. And my uncle was total opposite. My uncle was like, stop me from doing all these things. Yeah. But because he was like the, the, the bigger brother I never had, he was only three years old than me. Oh, he was the one selling me. He was selling me to my uncle. Selling me to everyone. Oh, he was actually the little, the, the mad thing in, in, in this situation. Even when we were fighting, oh, he was sparking people out. I was helping my uncle bleed and fight. My uncle's like six foot one, six foot two. I was knocking people out for him at times. My dad thought it was the opposite way around. My dad thought my uncle was getting me involved in all this shit. And there was times, like, I remember my dad found a big stash on me one day. Oh, this is going to get mad. So, my dad found... Uh, so, I don't know how much weed he found, but he found a couple of ounces of weed anyway. But he found all the hemp shops. Do you remember the head shops back in the day? Was allowed to sell all these, like... Um, the smoke. Or, 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 smoke. Yeah. Remember all that mad stuff? That stuff was poisonous. Like two ones or it was legal. No, it was legal for about a year and a half or whatever. No and then we knew people. <laughs> oh, <you laughs> went no. It was legal. It was all bat salts and all. People were sniffing bat salts and yeah, mad stuff. Look, we used to go up and buy it, and it was like a black wall, and somebody just <laughs> open the window, give a shake. <laughs> it was not legal. It was, it was, yeah, well, it was. It was open for a while. Like they were open for a while. But I went to oxygen one year. And we knew a fellow who had, who had one and he was like banging loads of out on oxygen, giving people everything I mean. Why? Because it became illegal <laughs> and he couldn't yeah. the job. So where are you saying, oh, our bleeding shop's getting taken down, but getting raids and all, having stuff all over the place. It was like, how much do you want for it? You know, because I was making a few quid doing the, doing the blade and weight yeah. and whatever. How much do you want for it? So I bought, like, he came down to me with like a boot full of stuff, like boxes of skins, <laughs> boxes of pre-rolled splits, like massive, literally a boot full of it. And I took loads of it and I hid most of it, but it was some of what I flung in my blade and I had a fridge. It was a microwave, wasn't it? And whole, whole my blade rang and was like, hey, you need to go home now, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, right, I'll drop you home. So I just turn it in my microwave in my room <laughs> and legged it, but I turned it in there with like an ounce or two or whatever was in it. Dropped her home. My dad rang me. Where the fuck are you, bro? So he dragged me back to the house. What the fuck is he doing in your house? My dad was running the muck. I was like, it's Sean's. It's <laughs> 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 he thought it was just a hole. I was meant to party in front of him, but made me drop off. home. <laughs> my dad hated my uncle for like two years because he thought my uncle was getting me to do shit for him, but it was total opposite. My uncle was taking the blame for everything. I had to apologize eventually to my uncle now. You fucking threw me under the bus as well one time. When? When he came in. Well, I don't remember. You can tell it because I don't care. Me, that things. I was like, it's weighing it back. This is. I have no. You weren't weighing it back. Never got to your dad would watch this. She never weighed out. I was weighing it back, and his dad came in and sunk like it stinks. Like, and he came in. He was like, "Jolo," and he just looked at me and he was like, "I was like, it's fine." Are you sure you get ripped? Stop it. But me dad, see me and me dad had like a mad relationship. It was a love hate relationship with me and me dad. So me dad loved. 
all the shit I was doing with the boxing and could see massive potential with me. And boxing is my dad's growling dream, and my dad loves boxing. And like even now when me and my dad speak, we don't have we don't speak about anything else other than boxing. Mm. We don't actually really have a relationship now other than boxing. As sad as that is to say, but isn't that true? Like yeah. unfortunately. So <clears throat> I think it's because we live so far away though as well. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> and the rest. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like personally, it was always like I knew my dad was proud of me. I didn't want to let him down because I, wa- I knew I had talent with boxing and he could see the raw talent that I had. I was only boxing for a few years and I was winning all the Orleans and all. So he could see the talent that I had and he just didn't want me to waste it. Mm. So it was one of them things, like I felt bad. I was always like trying to impress my dad with the boxing because the only, like, not the only love, but I got massive love from my dad when we were growing up and then unfortunately we lost my mom at a young age and me and my dad fell out a lot, you know? So it was mad times between me and my dad, but... The boxing, he was super proud of the boxing. And everyone in my whole family was super proud of the boxing. So, like, I always got positive energy off everybody when I, when I done good with boxing. Yeah. And the rest, I mean, Nanny used to say, like, you're a house angel, but a fucking street devil. Like, you, when you go out that door, I was just doing mad stuff. And everyone thought it was lovely because I'm a nice person. Yeah. But at the same time, the shit I got up to on the streets and the shit I just got up to in general, when no one was watching, like, when my dad just thought, everyone thought I was a good boy. It was a little bollocks, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it was mad. But I'm a nice person now because I always had those good qualities in me. And Gemma, I have to say, I think my heart, she always seen the good qualities in me. Mm-hmm. And even though I was getting up to all mad stuff at I mean, day, she always, like, seen the good blinkers side of me. On. Yeah, your blinkers <laughs> on. You've seen just the positive. Whereas up to mad stuff when I was yeah. a bit younger, you know what I mean? So back to Australia. Back to... What did you say his name was? Offering you that sort of professional. Uh, Ricardo. Ricardo saying to you, look, Legend, get into yeah. a professional. Was there a switch then back to you for going, all right, this is the path I'm going to go boxing-wise and flip back into that training and that <clears throat> mindset? Yeah, yes and yes and no, kind of, because it was because I knew the boxing always gave me good opportunities. Mm-hmm. Whether it was even meeting, even to this day, meeting certain people in the boxing world has, has benefited me more than even like the money or the, the, any of that sort of stuff. The people I meet in the boxing circle are lovely people. You know, they're all the salt of the earth. It's, it's great interacting with them. Like we love the boxing people, you know? Mm. Um, and I always support the law for that. But one thing what I will say is, I, was, I n- never chose to be a boxer. Like me, it was always like my dad's thing. Mm. And I was always trying to make everyone be happy in a way, you know, cause my shit that was going on, people are proud of that. So when you go on professional, everyone would be proud of it. I'd be like, oh yeah, John was fucking doing this fair play to you. So I was giving my family that little bit of joy, you know? Yeah. And uh, yes and no, because I was still doing mad things. Like I was, even though I was trying not to attract those people, I was still smoking weed in Australia and all. Even my first fresh fight, I had to stop for a few weeks before that, the first fight, you know? So I was still like doing stupid things. I never really thought it was going to be a career. I was just doing it because it was just doing it. Like In the beginning, I feel like boxing, you didn't chase it. It always fell in your lap. We it used did, to always yeah. say, mm-hmm. I used to always say, you're the luckiest person I've ever met in my life. Don't get me wrong, he's had a lot of unfortunate things happen. But with the boxing, things always found up. Like, he just went to a boxing gym one day and the man was like, you should turn over. And he was like, okay, kill. Cool. Yes, sweet. Ends up doing the fight. We went, we done our farm work. We were like, bro- when I say broke, broke, flat broke, we were trying, going to live in a car at one stage. And some man found out he was a, box- a professional boxer and was like, I'll pay you $75 an hour for personal training. Laughing, yeah, laughing, it was yeah. laughing. Then the same with Prize Fighter, fell in his lap. Like he, you had a lot of like not fell in his lap. Obviously he worked to get it, but 
the, when we were at the press conference for the pro- that just they just announced that we had no idea that that was that, that was going to be an option if he bet Echo. So you've had a lot of fortunate things. I yeah. feel like in the beginning, like boxing was like like I believe in God and I feel like you know things happen for a reason it was like you're doing this whether you like this or not you're doing it and it kept coming and coming until he was like okay now I'm gonna put everything into this I personally think that it was uh, my beliefs I believe it was my mum kept putting things in my lap like I lost my mum at 15 and from there on out like I just kept fucking like I so I lost my mum at 15 I won the All-Ireland when I was 16 so I just dedicated like after my mum died I was like my mum loved my boxing. She wasn't one of them that were like, oh, come watch me some boxing. No, she was like the loudest in the fucking crowd. Swear, ah, yeah. Punch his head in. You know, mad <laughs> shit. Like, you don't want to be hearing when you're like, man, shut up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it was one of them things that like, when she passed away, like I said, it gave my family like, such pride when I was winning. Mm-hmm. My sister turned to me and said, like, man, I was always bragging about you. My mum was a hairdresser. I was like, no one getting a bleeding hair don't want to hear about you fighting and fucking winning a fight and doing this. But mum was always bragging about you. You yeah. better keep this up and blah, blah, blah. So from there on out, it was like, Roy, it makes me my proud. I have to do it. Gonna make her proud. Yeah. I never done boxing for me. I always done boxing to make other people proud. Yeah. So like that, when I got these opportunities in Australia, that just fell on my lap. So I feel like it was me ma saying like, Roy, here's a little little thing. See how you get on. And then with the Declan Garrity fight, I had a feeling I was gonna lose that fight. I knew I was getting brought in to be the B side. I, I was supposed to lose that fight. But I took the risk anyway. He was like 6-0, and all, I was like 2-0. So they were bringing me in to lose this fight. That guy was bleeding 10 All-Irelands or something like that. From a kid, he was winning All-Irelands. He was deadly. I spared him as an amateur. And he bleeding battered me, you know what I mean? So I was thinking, that's a fucking big ass for me, you know? Like, I've been smoking weed, like, heavy the past few years. You know what I mean? Bongs, the whole shebang. <laughs> I better beat this fella who's, like, so dedicated throughout his whole life to boxing. And it just happened to be, he got disqualified. I took him to war. I knew what way to beat that guy. He got disqualified. Then I got prized for it from that win, even though it wasn't a win, it was a disqualification. But from that then, I won prize for it. Again, won me prize for it. Boom, let's buy an ounce, smoking weeds after a prize for it. Everyone was blown up on me, me bleeding social media, Facebook, and I was like, oh, congratulations. And it was in the papers, because it was just before Christmas. So I was like, uh, what was it? A Christmas Carol, blah, 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 because <laughs> my name is Carol, obviously. <laughs> a Christmas Carol for John O'King Kong Carol, the winning prize for it. Yeah. Earning X amount of money, it was all over the fucking papers when I got back to Ireland, which was fantastic. So I had all these random people like just texting me, congratulations. And here it was, like my dad living at one end of the house, and I was living the other, like sneaking out the front smoking joint. <laughs> so, and I was embarrassed. I was, it was one of them things. I was like reading all these people like big, bigging me up, and I was embarrassed for the first time in my life for smoking weed because I felt like guilty almost. Yeah. So I was like, fuck this. Like, what am I doing here? Me like, this is actually what the winning prize for. Everyone knows who I am now. I'm about to get in the contract with Sky Sports. Like. What the fuck am I playing out here? So it was like, I feel like it was my man keep giving me little opportunities yeah. until I seen, oh, actually, I can do this. So then I, I done that, got on prize for it, and then I got like an even opportunity to fight when bleeding Tyson Fury for Klitschko in like the world heavyweight bleeding in, where was it in bleeding? Germany. Uh, Germany. Germany, yeah. Like, who gets opportunities like this? I, I was then, I was meant to be on like way down on the card and Huey Fury pulls out. And I got like co-main event. I got like a ten rounder. I only ever bleeding spared six rounds. In my whole life. <laughs> and he took me the day before the weigh-in. Can you do an eight rounder? I was like, oh, I don't know about that. And then, then I weighed in. Huey throws the pull now. We need to do a ten rounder. I was like, what? <laughs> Fucking never even spared eight. He was very. I thought I was getting set up. So uh, I just done it anyway. Took the opportunities. I just risked it. Yeah. Won the fight. 
I just kept getting mad opportunities like this, you know what I mean? So, yeah. like she says, I do believe in, in God. I believe in... I mean, Ma was looking over me and kept giving me little pieces to see was I, was I eventually make the full picture. And then I was like, wait, you know what? Let's just do this. So then I, when I finally dedicated everything to the spot, that was it. Stop smoking weed. Stop. I li lived the fucking life then, you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you see the change in your boxing? Like yourself? Yes, I see the change in my boxing, but I massively see the change in my mindset yeah. i see the change in my mentality even the way i am at home with me with my missus the, the kids everything because there's so much when you when you're doing silly things like smoking weed and, and like not living the life you don't feel good yeah. you know even me i'm a very chatty person interact with everyone whatever when i smoke weed i'm a bit more into myself like i'm a, I'm a little bit more closed off and I'm like is he judging me like a little bit paranoid and all like so it's I just didn't like it, you know what I mean? So boxing dragged me out of that hole. Like, I was one of them that I needed to smoke before I slept. Like, I needed to smoke before I sleep. Yeah. And I didn't smoke cigarettes, so I needed to smoke joint. You know what I mean? I yeah. smoke a bong or whatever. So yeah. it was one of them things. Like, I just hope people can, can look at my life and say, Jesus, he was really fucked up as well. Like, at 16, 17, 18, maybe yeah. I can... I'm in that position now. Maybe I can actually live the life he's living now because I'm yeah. living a great life now. Like fucking, I could never have dreamed. I know you probably couldn't have dreamed that we were no gonna way. live this life. This life is mad. It's <laughs> out of this world. Like we are always saying, like I am so grateful yeah. now for the path that I've chosen yeah. and the path for not just for me but for my whole family, for Gemma, for everyone. Because she was sticking around no matter what. Like she was there from day dot. Like she was there for my amateur days. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Gemma's seen like me through my ups and downs and me fucking mad smoking, me mad playing, mad times in my life. Where there's now I'm grateful that I'm able to give her a good life now, you know what I mean? And what is it what is it like with a professional boxer? Yeah, like the wins and the, the wins, the losses, like there's gotta be the absolute flip side. Well when I so I met him when I was like 13, 14, maybe? No. You were 14. You've just gone 14. So all through the amateurs I was like, this is so cool. I didn't never thought anything into it and then kind of as the years go on, I'm a bit more like, oh, this is intense. This is so dangerous. Like, you you never thought that when you were younger. Like, it wasn't even till a couple of fights in and then, like, social media started getting really big and you could see people that were, like, really getting injured, brain injuries, people dying. And then, then we had our first kid and I was like, this is, like, really scary. I know that he's not a heavyweight. So in the beginning, it was like, oh, no, it's only people that are, like, heavyweight, getting hit really hard, they're getting injured. And then that changed and then there was a lot of people getting injured and stuff. So that was really intense. And then camp was always great. Before we had a kid, I was always yeah. doing camp with him. Yeah, fine night, I was like <coughs> shredded every fine night. She was making all the meals. Like, this is before we had any nutrition, we had yeah. like any, it was just me and her were just winging it yeah. together. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Boiled she was cooking chicken everything. and egg whites and sweet potato, that was like yeah, the diet. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so, and I'd done all his training sessions with him. I, we, like I used to do a circuit, set up a circuit for him, everything. We were really, really on it. Then we had our first kid, that, that dynamic changes. I used to go away one for camp. I stayed in Glasgow with him and Tom Stalker. Yeah. And that was amazing. And then that, I was pregnant, so that was the very last one. And then we had our first child. I think he stayed for the first camp after we had her, like, because we always stayed together. And we were like, this yeah, isn't this gonna is not work. Really this isn't going to work. This work. is too the intense. The fucking knife is and all. You know what I mean? Like, like, and, then we, and then we're arguing because I'm like, mm. 
help me with the kid. But like, he's fucking exhausted. Like, it's fair. Do you know what I mean? But you're doing night feeds and then you're getting up for sparring the next day and getting punched around off someone that you probably punched around two days ago because she was doing night feeds before he sparred him. Yeah. But you're getting battered just because you're fatigued and tired. Yeah. I'm not saying to homie, bollocks. We're not doing this. She's dangerous. I'm getting battered off. Nobody's here, like, you know, so. And they're gr- he, you're grumpy. Yeah, you get grumpy. Like, especially when you get injuries and all, you know? Yeah. He, they're pain. hungry, they're yeah. exhausted, they're in pain. The mental strain, obviously, that has on it. And he's like a demon by the end. And so I think, like, the second campaign, I was like, you need to go. You yeah. need to get out. <laughs> you need to go away. You need to do a camp. And that worked with, That worked for us. Like, that still works. But then remember, now. even Fia's birthday, like, I was in Scotland. A forced birthday. I miss me daughter. I mean, forced baby's forced birthday, you know what I mean? Mm. Remember that? Yeah, first birthday, first Mother's Day. Like this is one camp, Mother's Day, first Same birthday, camp, yeah. uh, first, uh, no, Valentine's Day, and then I think Easter, it was like a really fucking, it was a long camp, I think there was an injury, and then he went. Oh, it was an injury, but I had to stay in camp. Three month camp or something. Yeah, because yeah. the fight ended up getting postponed, yeah. and he missed like our first steps, like loads Yeah, I missed everything, like, and, and we I was were, devastated, there was even more like a fucking demon coming to the end of that camp. Yeah. And do you know what was annoying, so the first time uh, my opponent pulled out, with an injury then, so I had to keep going through the, the camp again, and then, he pulled out again. Yeah, but you got an injury. Oh no, I think I got an injury first, was it? No, he got an in- no. No. The first fire fell out, then you got caught because he was so desperate after the first fella pulling out, he was like, no, fuck this, like, I'm just gonna, he's bush eyebrows, he's like, the doctor won't even notice. There's like stitches hanging. I, got, I, I got, was like, they're gonna know. <laughs> two weeks before, <laughs> I was sparring, when we last sparring, I got a cut, and it was fucking seven stitches, it was actually a big one. And I got a stitched up, and I was like, I'll be alright, I got the stitches out. Two days before the weigh-in, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was bullshit. Like two days before the weigh-in, had to be in by like ten days or whatever. Because now two days before the weigh-in, and uh, the then fella. had to fight. So that no, my opponent pulled out, which was actually the rematch meant to be with Declan Garrity again. Yeah. He pulled out, so we got some. But it was for like an IBF Intercontinental or something like that. It was one of them. So then he got some fella to step in that was like highly enough ranked from like South America or something. He came in. And I was fucking so frustrated because he was at the point out then, there was just loads going on. It wasn't the fight that I wanted. It wasn't the same money that I was going to get. And I was at the Miss Me Doors, Force Bleeding, Birthday, the whole shebang. I went into the fight like a demon and I fucking, I, I, I done like two rounds, three rounds. The coat opened up. As soon as I got a hook, the coat opened straight up. And I was like, fuck, I'm going to kill this fella next time when I come out of this. Like, as soon as the, I got the coat, as soon as I come back out in the third round, I think it was, or the fourth round, I just, just went for the fella and just destroyed him. It was the first stoppage you ever got. I was bleeding delighted it was. Yeah. But all the, the trainers that I was stopping the fella then so early. I came home to her. She was in her mom's house. I came home to her. And I was bleeding depressed down my head. It was like, all that fight. I didn't even get the fight that I wanted, the person that I wanted. Super fit. It's fucking, like, yeah, I'm at the, winning this belt. This is great. But everyone, to everyone else, it looks great because, oh, you had to get in your first knockout. You had to get in your first belt. I went home depressed down my fucking head. They're missing my daughter's first place. These are all things that normal people didn't see. You know? That's, that's the thing. Shit you go has. back to social media. You go back to things. You go back to, like, especially now, people telling more stories of what it's actually really like or, like, yeah. people opening up about mental health and different things. Yeah. People see you for those three rounds. You yeah. just won that fight. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's the highlight. They see that little knife edge. Like, they see the, the tip mm-hmm. of the iceberg. They haven't seen three months of arguments, stress, yeah. tiredness, injury like strain on relationships and she had to go home because before this i didn't have enough money to keep paying for the apartment that i forced me into when i moved i was spent that's where you end up going home for the few months remember yeah um, three months no it was like three or four months whatever because i was going to that camp so i couldn't afford to pay the rent in spain you know where i was living 
And uh, that's where you had to go home. And then when we won that fight, then we went out and we moved out to Blade Monday, which was miles away from the gym. It was fucking a little. We lived in like a, a little mud hut, I said. A little mud hut. <laughs> Check it out. It was a bungalow, right? It was a circle wooden house. <clears throat> and I had. Sitting room and kitchen was the same room. And I had a bleeding uh, a little bedroom, wasn't it, at the back, and a little tiny toilet here. And then on top of the bedroom. There was a wooden roof, ladder. I'm there was not a wooden ladder. In the middle of the sitting room. So it was like. The sitting room was just like a little circle, and there was a wooden ladder just went up, and that was just storage up there. So like we had no wardrobe space, we had no, no so we had to do the wardrobes up on the very top, and it was just a tiniest little bleeding one bedroom that me who and the baby it was living in. It was literally like a circular dome. Do you know when they they draw the pictures of like the Stone Age? You know when your kid is like literally <laughs> this stone brick. When people go glamping, it's fucking that's nicer than what oh, we were absolutely. in. Absolutely, I'm serious. That was nicer than what we were in, and it was do just a little circle wooden. Fucking room. It was basically one room. Oh, we always make the most of it, though. Yeah, we it was like had a ball. We had the time of our lives. It was grand <laughs> living up there, we but get... it was far away from the gym. It was like thirty-five minute drive up the mountain. Just yeah. fucking drinking the juice. I'm glad I'm not paying the petrol. <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> the petrol prices now. I would never be able to live up there. But um, it's brilliant to see how much of a team the two of you are together. Yeah, we've came yeah. so far because we've grown together as well. Yeah. So even when like like even like the spiritual stuff that we've been doing, we both working together like I'm like studying this 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 and she's like she naturally is gifted like spiritually and then all of a sudden I'm like yeah check this out and we just keep yeah. elevating each other you know some sometimes a relationship might some might take off some might, and mm. then they break or whatever me and her since we've been kids it's just I could not be with her when she was 70 yeah. and she could not have been with who I was when I'm 70 no but, way but together we make a great team there where yeah. the ages were at you know what I mean yeah so it's like we've both grown and changed. We're totally different people to the same people we were when we and were I think we're both kids. aiming for the same goal, though. Yeah. Because we're together. Like, I think that is a huge part of our success, like, in our relationship, is because we started together like that, the box, and just kind of kept rolling and rolling and rolling. And then, like, I'm so dedicated. Like, most most women I, I get are like, oh, my fella's not going away. He's going to stay in a different country in a house full of lads, and I'm at home with the kids. I get it. Like, I, I do get it. But we are both going for the same goal. If he loses, it affects all of us. If he wins, it affects all of us. Yeah. He, we are both reaching. Like I want him to reach his peak. That you yeah. know what I mean? Because he wants to reach his peak. And if he doesn't, I know that's gonna frustrate him and infuriate him. So we may as well all just work yeah. together, and we'll <laughs> yeah. get there sooner. Rolling with the punches together. Exactly. As they say. So what is the goal? The goal. I want. I want to hit a world title before he bounce from this sport. You know, like I'm. I'm 30 now. I've always said I'm going to retire at 32. If I don't win a world title by the time I'm 32, I don't care, I'm gone. You know, like, the world title is so materialistic to me, I don't care because I'm not a materialistic person. It's just a bleeding bit of shiny belt. Yeah. The only reason I want it is because that was a goal that I set out to accomplish. So I just want to accomplish the goal. Yeah. I don't even care about the world title. Yeah. Like I said, the boxing thing was always to make other people proud and happy. I really wanted to set my family up. That's the reason I always want to win a world title because I wanted the money that comes with a world title. But I'm already doing other things like business-wise on, on the outside of the boxing now at this stage that I don't need fucking boxing too much anymore. I do, of course. I still love it. Like, don't get me wrong. The kids keep me in shape and I love all that aspect of it, the dedication and so on and so forth. But at the same time, where we're at in our lives, like, when I'm 32, I want to be bouncing from this sport because I have a family now I have more to think about yeah. than, than, a sh than a goal I wouldn't call it a stupid goal because the life it's created that goal and me chasing that goal and us chasing that goal has been amazing for both of us mm. you know it's given us a total different life 
to what we probably would have been stuck at home walking bleeding nine to fives and hardly getting to see me kid yeah. so even my daughter yesterday was like oh, I don't want you to go for a jog I was like babe I'm fucking going for a jog of course but said, babe I'm going for a jog most people are up at like whatever six seven o'clock in the morning they're gone for the day and they come back at like seven eight the kids are in bed at eight o'clock I'm going for an hour give me a minute like you know what I mean I'll be back and play with you all day <laughs> you know what I mean like relax I'm literally going for an hour so I, it's one of them things I'm very blessed I'm not one that I don't care about going off on lads holidays and thing. if I'm in camp I'm in camp it's not like oh I'm going over here to a yeah. lads blading training camp I can't wait to spend time with lads I don't care about all that I'd rather be at home with my family so for me personally it's like I just want to achieve what I've set out to do and then uh, I don't know I would really like to set up a boxing retirement fund for boxers because I see it's a massive gap and nobody's doing it and I just think I'm at the being in the sport for many years and there's so many people like Josh, who was young. You might make a few quid in, in your career, but if you haven't invested, you haven't been smart with your money. So many people, look at even Mike Tyson, he's made millions, and then was broke after his career. So if you're not putting a little bit away, and you're not a little bit wise with your money, unfortunately, when it comes yeah. to that day, when you catch an injury, and it's like, oh, I just can't box. I'm lucky enough that I've even lasted this long in the sport. I've been professional since I've been like, I'm like 19 or something now you know what I mean so a good 10, 11 years running in professional games so I've made a good few quid but at the same time it's about being smart with what you do with that money because I could have had the bleeding Rolexes and the nice cars and don't be wrong I've had like a few of the little things little tastes of it but at the same time I prefer to invest my money and be smart and then know when it's time to retire from boxing that me and my family are sweet for the rest of our days yeah. that's the the goal for me is always just securing my family's future and uh, I have loads of goals wrote out that I have in my, in my little goal book, you know, but I've, I've ticked most of them off at this yeah. stage. So I'm very proud that I've even ticked a lot of those things off. I was going to ask you, what bit of advice would you give to fighters, young fighters getting in the game, new professionals? But I think that sums it up, really. Yes and no. One thing what I will say is it sums it up to an extent. But what you need to realise is you need to have a set destination where you want to make it. Like, it's like putting a boat out into the ocean. If that doesn't know it needs to go from A to B, it might go out and start doing fucking donuts. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it might be doing all right, like, for a while, but then eventually you're going to run out of gas and yeah. where the fuck you're stuck in the middle of the sea. So you need to, like, write down your goals. You need to know what you want to accomplish. At a young age, it's easier. It's, it's A lot of people hear these things and they're like, ah, yeah, it doesn't matter if you have your goals wrote down or not. But sometimes when you actually take a minute to write your goals down, you realise, do we actually want that? Does, is that really important yeah. and like sometimes then I, I wrote out I want this 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 I want this 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 and then a year later I'm reading them I'm like I'm at the development and ground more and I'm like I want psh, scratch yeah. that I am this 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 yeah. and then that's a game changer manifesting it as well so when I wanted like, a tattoo a tribal tattoo when I was 17 I'm glad I didn't get thank that. god you did <laughs> yeah change <laughs> up <laughs> I got this about 15 bro <laughs> I got that one in torture. <laughs> oh, it was the stupidest thing. I wanted to put a boxing gloves. Me dad said, why don't you get that little leprechaun? Me dad fucking bring me to the place and go for it. It's ridiculous. This thing is not even like, look, them shoes are supposed to be yellow, man. You can't even see one bit of yellow. It's <laughs> in <laughs> bits. Oh, stop. Brilliant. But just, no, just you, you are right. Just um, Just going back to your goal of being the world champion, obviously... A lot of uh, a lot of young guys in the sport are always looking towards that because it's seen as the end goal of boxing. Yeah, and obviously you've been involved with world champions like Devin Haney, sparring him, um, and many others. What's it like to spar with these guys, and how how, how do you think you, that sets you up to then become the champion? You know what? When you're in with, with skillful people like himself, 
Devon Haney, Tevin Farmer and stuff. It, it sets the goals, sets the bar. You're like, listen, I actually need, there's a lot of things I need to work on here. My thing when I fought uh, Tevin Farmer, for an example, was my patience, which is nothing got to do with my fitness in boxing. A lot of fighters want to get in. They want to smash the bag until they're bleeding exhausted and do as much weights until their body is smashed and that's going to win you a fight. Your mind is what wins your fights. So when I get in the ring with these guys, I realised a lot of things like that. Like some of them, we were the same fitness, same whatever, but my patience wasn't there where it shouldn't have been, where it should have been with Farmer. When I went back then to spar Farmer, my patience was there. And it proved then when I fought the looks of Quig, I fucking battered him because I was patient. If we had went and ran at him like, Oscar, like uh, Valdez did, he fucking broke Valdez's bleeding jaw and it was a war, you know what I mean? Valdez is a great fighter. If we had went with, before the fight I had with Tevin Farmer and had done the same thing that I did with Farmer, me and Scott Quigg would have had a war. But instead, I made that an easy night, all because of my mindset. Because my mind was more powerful than what my body was that night, you know? My mind kept my body under control. So I only said it to a fella down the gym earlier on. If you're not in control of your mind, then your mind is going to be in control of your body. And that is a massive thing, even for sleeping the day before the fight and the day before weighing, everything, press conferences, the whole shebang. So your mind is everything. Your mind controls the whole bleeding avatar. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things. You need, to, you need to train your brain, not only train your mind, or not only train your body. Your yeah. brain is so important. Look, I get into these blade noise pads now. Don't they doing stupid things? You can sit in noise pads for 15 minutes now. No, but because my brain is like still. The first time you jumped in that was two seconds you was gone. <laughs> it was in and out. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> But I always try to put myself in uncomfortable positions now because my mind. Yeah. You know, I'm like, uh, I want to be in positions where my mind is like, get me out of here. And then I'm relaxed when I'm in the gym, you know. when I'm, when I'm growth, yeah. Causes growth. Yeah. The only thing is like struggle causes growth. Yeah. And even in my life when I've struggled a lot, it's always elevated me. Our uh, slogan up on the wall, there is no strength without the struggle. Yeah. I only read that actually today yeah. when I was doing the weights in there. So very good. Very good. I like all these things, you know? Yeah. But one thing what I'll say about um, the questions that you asked, you need to set goals. You need to write down. And the thing is, when you're reading these goals every single day, then it's like, if you're cheating, not like everyone loves a cheat day, everyone loves whatever. It's like, if you're cheating, you're not doing your rolling out in the morning, you're not doing your bleeding, whatever, ice bats or whatever it may be. Then you're like, oh, I've let myself down today. And there's nothing worse. Like, you can let your wife down, your kids down, and that's, like, guilty. But when you're letting yourself down, you're like, mate, you're a motherfucking failure. You get up and do that roll. Sometimes I've got out bleeding bad to just do something stupid, you know what I mean? Yeah. Breathing techniques. <laughs> she was on the set with you today. I was doing these mad breathing techniques in bed, and she was like, if we ever broke up, Please never do that in front of somebody. Else. <laughs> <laughs> First night with some woman, and he's like, <laughs> in the bed, you go, I'm best be murdered. I <laughs> <laughs> make sure that you want these like brain techniques before I sleep every single night. Like, there's, I have to do them now. It's just a ritual that I'm like, I do now. It's like, I cannot sleep. And sometimes I'm like, I'm lying in bed, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, that's late. Like, it's like half twelve, I'm up early in the morning. I'm lying there, I'm like, Shut up. Just start doing that. It takes me a good 15 minutes. It takes me a good 15 minutes to do these breathing techniques. Because like, like, I'm able to hold my breath for mad time now. I can hold my breath for like four and a half minutes and stuff. So I'm going to do these breathing and then hold my breath. That's like four and a half fucking minutes. That's like 15 minutes nearly alone. Never mind doing all the breathing shit. It's like a round and a break and a it's, bit. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's like me boxing, getting out of breath. I could be in this bed and I get to like the last, say, 30 seconds or whatever. And I'm like, Tense in my body. I tense, then I relax. Tense and relax, and I, de I deliberately push out another like 30 seconds by 
tense in my body, like forcing the tense, and then relaxation like for like 10 <laughs> seconds. So I'm sure she's just like, oh, no. Oh, Trying to sleep in the bed's rocking like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm flexing the bed. <laughs> in the beginning, he used to be like, "Time me, time me, watch, watch it." And like it, his lips would start to go blue, and he'd be spreading, and I'm like, "Oh, like I'm about to video this man's death." <laughs> he's up for this, and I'm like, "You should take a breath now." No, you reach, reach, and then he takes a breath. And he's like, "That's real killer," and I'm like, "I oh, don't." <laughs> That's really cool, man. I'm gonna push an extra point seconds. That is victory to me. You know what I mean? Like so, oh, it's mad stuff. The shishi scene is mad. Brilliant. So, uh, tell us what's next. What's next for King Kong? What's on the horizon? What are you planning? <clears throat> Do you know what? I'm Anything you want to announce? Nothing that I want to announce, but something that I'm been in talks with, and I'd love to. I'd love it to happen and come to fruition. Do you think I should say? Yeah. Put it out into the universe. <laughs> Put it out into That's the universe, what you exactly. Need to do. So it's, it's nearly made. Hopefully it, hopefully, it can get made very soon. I would personally love a fight between me and Archie Sharp. If me and Archie Sharp... Archie, is, I think, is number two ranked in the WBO, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm like number two in the WBA. So if me and him fight, it's a brilliant fight domestically. I know I'm not English now, but like Ireland, England, mm. everyone would be watching this fight because he's... A hype job in England, I'm a hype job in Ireland, you know, so it's like, it's yeah. one of them things, not a hype job, you know what I mean, we're both well-known, we're popular mm. in Ireland and England, so I just believe that me and him fighting each other will be a fucking, a barn burner, he sparked that go, I stopped that go, so like, it was a great, it, you know what I mean, we've both yeah. fought similar kind of opponents and that, he's never fought people at war level the way I have, even though he's ranked really high, I just think I have that little bit of experience on him, but personally, I think it's a great fight. And it's a fucking big money for you. So give me that money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to cash out with this boxing game, you know what I mean? And, and Make my money and invest. Surely if you're fighting someone else who's ranked too, surely the winner of that goes on to fight for world title. Next exactly. Fight, surely. 100%. And if we get paid well for this fight, then the next fight, if we're fighting for a world title, we're going to get handsomely, handsomely paid. And that's what I'm all about. Like at the end of the day, I'm at the end of my career. He's nearly at the end of his career. About like fucking 30, 31 or something like that, you know? So... Let's just get paid and, and set up our families for the future. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Yeah. You know, so I'm just hoping that the funding is there. Hopefully we can, we can get the fight on. And then we can both fight for the world title. Or at least me fight for the world title after I'm yeah. the chef. <laughs> 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 Let's have it. This is what we want. I would love this fight. This, this is, fight makes sense to me. You know what yeah. I mean? So um, hopefully it makes sense to him and, and he accepts it. So we'll see what happens. Brilliant. We'd well, love that to happen. The two of you, the pair of you, the team... Teamwork makes hope, the team work. I hope it happens. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I hope it happens for you both. Thank you so much for coming on. Been a brilliant chat. My pleasure. Uh, thank you for having us. Hopefully, we'll see you in that matchup soon. Yeah, please go. Josh, inshallah, thank you for coming on. Inshallah. <laughs> Guys, give us thank a like, you. a subscribe. Thank you very much for tuning in. Get down in the socials below in the comments and uh, give us a like. See you again. Adios, amigos. Sports Social Podcast Network.